Welcome to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's encouraging message. For more information, please visit kingofglorycc.com. I'm going to jump right in this morning, and actually, if you'll turn with me uh, to Luke chapter 24, uh, Jen almost preached my message this morning. Uh, she uh, was talking about the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. I was like, oh, okay, well, Jen, there you go. I'm going to come up and be like, let's just pray about it. We're good. <laughs> so uh, if you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 24, I'm going to read a little bit, and then we'll pray and get going here. Luke uh, 24, I'm going to start in verse 44. It says, uh, <clears throat> so Jesus has been resurrected. He meets with his disciples. Uh, there's a little exchange right before this where they're not really sure if it's him or not. And like almost as a, an act to convince him, he's like, well, just give me some food. And they're like, oh, he wants to eat. It must be real. <laughs> Verse 44 says, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem, and you are witnesses of these things. Verse 49 says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Amen. Uh, I got... I didn't grow up in church. I was saved probably when I was uh, 14 or 15. And I remember uh, I started going to church. There was a girl. And I was like, oh, I want to go to church because you're going to church. And and God kind of lured me in there. And then uh, and I, I remember being at this youth group and just being overwhelmed by the sight of what God was doing in, in those youth. Like being overwhelmed uh, by by his power in their life. You know, I would kind of stand back and watch. I wasn't there, like, for any other reason, but just hanging out with this girl. So i just kind of hang out in the back and just watch. And as I was watching, I would, I would see them, like, I knew these kids, they were, I was going to school with them, and I would see them walk up to the front, and, and I knew that they were having a hard time at home, and, I, and I'd see the youth pastor pray for them, and, and I'd see them weep and then be filled with joy. And then I would, I would see some of them that, uh, you know, we got hurt in sports, get to get prayed for, and, and they they would get healed. And I just remember like being lured in by this 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 power that I saw on display in this youth group. And I just I just remember saying, I remember the first time I raised my hands, and I really was like, um, okay, God, let's let's do this thing. I remember the first time I raised my hands. I, I remember actually saying, Lord, fill me with your power. I remember that was just one of the things that I was just, it just stood out to me. Like there was something more than just going to church and singing and hearing about the Bible. It was like there was something else there and I just wanted, and it drew me in. And so um, uh, when Eliza and Sam asked me to speak this morning and, you know, we talked about how it was uh, the day we celebrate Pentecost, I just couldn't get away from that thought, that initial thought that drew me in uh, to this life to following and uh, surrendering to Jesus, uh, I couldn't get away from that thought of power. And so I wanted to share a little bit about that this morning. I really feel like um, this morning that there are, there, there's gonna be almost like activation in our hearts. 
um, the power that I'm talking about is the power for our mission. You know, what, what Jesus uh, instructed the disciples to do when he was leaving, which was to go make disciples, share the gospel, heal the sick, uh, raise the dead. And so I really feel like this morning there's, there's, there's just gonna come an activation in our hearts that we would um, encounter new opportunities to speak to our family and our friends and our coworkers about this amazing Jesus and the power that he is, that he's offered. I think that that's what all this is all about. When, we, when everything is said and done, it's, it's, God said he, he sent his son because he loved the world and we are his ambassadors to the world, amen? We're his ambassadors. Actually, uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter five, verse 18, it talks about this. This is the uh, Passion Translation. It says, and God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself, given us the words, uh, given us the ministry of reconciling others to God. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world, not even keeping records of their transgression, and he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. We are ambassadors of the anointed one who carry the message of Christ to the world as though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through our lips. So we are ambassadors of this power, the power that Jesus made available after his resurrection. We're, we're ambassadors to that. And so today, I wanna talk a little bit about that power that Jesus died to make sure we could have access to. Amen? Amen. So let's pray a little bit. Uh, <clears throat> Lord, we just thank you for this morning. I thank you for this opportunity. And God, I just pray for revelation, God. I pray that you would reveal the depth of the power that you made available through your death and resurrection, God. I pray that you would help us to see the same way that you opened the disciples' eyes, I pray that you would open our eyes, that we would see everything that you'd have us to see, that we'd have a fresh encounter with your power. I pray that we would leave this place with a renewed vision of our calling as ambassadors. I pray, God, that you would help us to position ourselves for an increase of your power, Lord. And we thank you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Um, <clears throat> all right, so Jesus goes to the cross. He's resurrected on the third day. He made this promise in Luke. It's actually in Acts as well uh, that he's gonna send power, that he wants the disciples to wait until he sends power. And so the disciples, they, they start having these prayer gatherings and uh, pretty much positioning themselves for what God told them was coming. And so in Acts chapter two, uh, right at the beginning, it says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So I believe, uh, I believe that this power uh, comes in, in two applications. I, I believe it comes for us personally, uh, but I also believe it comes for us as a body and the power that we have together when we pray and when we're united. And so um, I'm gonna talk a little bit about those two. Um, let's, ju let's jump to Acts chapter three. If you have your Bibles, let's if you'll follow along with me. Acts chapter three, I'm gonna read, this is uh, a story, because that's what we're reading. 
Acts chapter 3 says, Now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour, and a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms, and fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. And then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. What I love about this story is that Peter says, what I do have, I give to you. And I think it's interesting because this Peter that is possessing this power so confidently is not the same Peter that we saw in the Gospels. I mean, this is the guy who Jesus has just finished telling him what's about to happen. He's about to get arrested. They're gonna, he's gonna go to the cross. The guards show up. Jesus had set it up really nicely, and Peter's like, oh no, I'm cutting this guy's ear off. And so uh, he, was, he was very different than that Peter. This, this Peter wasn't the one that denied Jesus in the crowd. This was the Peter who was confident in what the Lord had promised, and he, because he had seen it with his eyes, his life had been absolutely transformed. And I really think that possessing and, and, and it, the, the power that the Holy Spirit offers, it being a personal thing, I feel like that's one of the the keys um, to, to it being available is that we, that we take it personal, that, that it's something that we know we can possess. Um, the, the power that came upon the people at Pentecost was something a little bit different than the authority and the power that we have access to because of the cross, okay? So I'm gonna explain this a little bit. Um, actually, let's go Galatians 5, and then I'll explain a little bit. Galatians 5, talking about the fruit of the Spirit. You guys know this one. The fruit of the Spirit is the Amplified Version. It actually says the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, <clears throat> patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against, against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature together with its passions. I think it's important that we separate what Jesus did on the cross, what he made available to us at Calvary, and the power that he told the disciples to wait for, okay? Same source, different application. When we, when we accept Jesus into our hearts and his spirit dwells within us, that comes through the power of what he did on the cross, and we have access to these things in Galatians, uh, love, peace, patience. That, it says, it actually says, uh, Against such things there is no law. In another version it says, don't put the law against these things because they were meant to be plentiful. Like we have access to these things oh, as we accept Jesus into our hearts and his Holy Spirit reigns in our, in our lives. We have access to these things. So I think it's really important, and I wanted to make this separation, that, that our lives don't be consumed with acquiring these things. These things he's made available to us, and they are without measure he's made them available. Amen? Anybody follow me? Okay. So... And, and hear me when I say it's not wrong to ask for these things. I'm not saying we shouldn't ask because he's already given it. I'm just saying like our life's pursuit shouldn't be peace, shouldn't be patience. God has made that available to us. When I, uh, when I come home from work, usually I'll call Kristen on the phone, make sure everything's going all right, and I'll ask her like, hey, can I pick up anything from the store? 
And she'll either say no or she'll give me a very specific list. Milk, bread, that's it. <laughs> so I'll go to the store. When I go to the store, um, you know, I'm trying to be intentional, but I can't help. When I'm in the store, I'm going through the aisle. I just, for whatever reason, I'm always just like, you know what? I think we need this. <laughs> and so I'll grab it. <clears throat> and I'll get home and... Uh, and she'll know, like right through, I come through the door and I have more bags than just bread and what milk. She's like, what did you get? And I'm like, things we needed. <laughs> and for some, so for some reason, we have like a ton of Parmesan cheese in our house. Because I'm always like, we don't have any Parmesan cheese. I need to get some of this. And she's always like, stop, just get what we need. And I just feel like as Christians sometimes, like we go after things that we already have. You know, we, we make a big deal and we pursue things that God has made available and that if we would just come to him, he would, he, would, he would give it to us until we stopped asking because he's got more than enough for us. Amen? So I really think it's important when we talk about the authority and the power that Jesus made available at the cross that we separate what he told the disciples to wait for. He told them to wait for the power. And I think that he told them that because the power he made available at Pentecost was specific to our mission as Christians. It's, it's different than, than the stuff that he, he gives us, he's made available to us. The power uh, released at Pentecost was specific. <clears throat> this power fell upon them, and it was from the same source, but it was a different application. Uh, so we used to live in Missouri, and I worked at uh, this inpatient treatment center. It was like a rehab for alcoholics and drug addicts. And uh, <clears throat> I, we moved there and a friend of mine already worked there. And so I needed a job. And he kind of, you know, helped me get in. I got in at an entry level and just kind of, you know, worked and did what I had to do. It was something outside of what I was used to. I went to school for business administration. And so here I was at this treatment center. And so, uh, you can imagine, uh, there was a, several times where I was just like, oh Jesus, I need you. Um, this is definitely outside of my comfort zone. And so I remember uh, two years in, I, uh, so I started, I got this entry level job. Eventually, one day they were like, hey, we don't have anybody to do groups, Mike, can you do groups? And I'm like, I uh, guess, sure, whatever. So I go in, there's this curriculum I'm reading, I do groups for about a year. And then they say, Mike, you know what? You'd make a great counselor. Why don't you go ahead and take the test and become a counselor? And I'm just like, sure, whatever, you know? I like helping people. I loved being there. It was a really tough atmosphere, this inpatient treatment center. You guys know if you've been there, uh, people come there when they are just at their worst. People go to inpatient because if they don't, they'll, they'll die. I mean, there's, and so people come there and, and it, was always, it was always a tough atmosphere, but I, just, I loved helping people and so I was there. So two years in, I'm <clears throat> working with this lady and uh, she, she was there probably 30 or 45 days, and it was coming time for her to leave. And uh, she asked me, she said, hey, listen, Mike, um, before I leave, can, can we all meet, you, me, and my family? Can we just get together? And I really just wanna, I wanna help them understand what I've been through, and I, wanna, I want them to be on board with what's, what needs to happen when I get out of here. And so just you know, not knowing what I was doing, I was like, sure, bring them all in. Sure, we'll just sit down and talk. And, uh, and so uh, the day came and uh, her family showed up 
And her family members were, it was her ex-husband. Her ex-husband, they had children together, so he was still involved in her life. Well, he brought his new wife. Um, They brought the three children they have together, small children. Um, I guess the kids had like a sleepover, so there was like a friend. Um, Her mom came and her sister. And so I see all these people and like, this is a small town treatment center. Like my office was like the size of that drum cage. And, uh, And so I see all these people and I'm just like, oh boy. I don't know what I got myself into. And uh, I, I remember before I went in to sit down with everybody, I remember just praying like, Lord, I need you to take over this because I have no idea what to say to these people. Um, I have no idea what advice to give. I mean, this was totally outside of my realm, people. I don't know if I can express that enough. I was just like, <laughs> I just loved helping people, you know? And so, uh, so anyway, so I just prayed, Lord, I knew, I believed in the power of the Holy Spirit. I said, Lord, you got to take this thing over. I need you to do what you do here. And I'm just, uh, I'm just a vessel. So help me out. So anyway, so we go in. The lady sitting next to me, her, uh, the husband, well, actually no, it was uh, the mother, the sister, the new wife, children, and the husband. And so we're just having this meeting and she talks about, she tells them, you know, what she'd been through and and how it affected her, and uh, she got through talking about that, and I asked, you know, does anybody have any questions? And the mother asked, you know, what do we do if she starts asking for um, some of my pain meds when we get out? And so we talked about it, and it was good. So we got through talking about that. I asked, you know, again, does anybody have any questions? Is everybody good? I think her son, you know, asked something. I don't, I don't remember what it was. And, uh, you know, we talked a little more, and it was good. And I was like, all right, this is, uh, this is a good deal. And uh, so then I asked a third time, which I really, I, I regret now. And <laughs> I knew at the time, two times was enough. I mean, that was plenty of chances for people to have questions. So I asked the third time, does anybody have any questions? The husband's like, yeah, I got a question. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, um, what should we do? when her mother and her crazy sister start giving her medication and start acting and enabling this behavior because they're the reason she's in here. And I was like, oh, um, well. (laughs) And before I could even like gather myself, the mom is like, actually, we wouldn't be in this mess if he wouldn't have married this floozy sitting right next to me. And I'm like, whoa, guys, guys, we're, we're rabbit trailing. This is really getting out of control. Let's just, let's calm down. And the, the wife stands up. She's like, I don't even know why I'm here. I'm not I'm involved in this family at all. The kids start crying. The mom, the sister is yelling. The kids are crying. So she, the wife takes the kids out of the office into the lobby. And the, the husband is like, uh, you know, I just, you know I, just, I just have to say, I just can't stand that we're here because of these people. And every time we get involved in this, they make it worse. And, and it just makes me angry, so angry. I just can't wait for this lady to die because I'm gonna spit on her grave. And the, the lady was like, oh, you're not gonna spit on my grave. And he's like, oh, yes, I will. She's like, oh, no, you won't because Jesus won't let you. And he's like, oh, he's gonna let me spit on your grave. And I'm just like, what is happening right now? I'm looking at the lady and she's shaking her head like, she knew this was gonna happen, but she didn't like warn me about it. And I'm just like, guys, um, listen, we, we just need to, let's just bring it back a notch. And uh, the sister's trying to calm the mother down and she's hysterical at this point. She's crying. 
she, she, at one point she gets up, she's like, he's gonna kill us, I know he's gonna kill us. And I'm like, what? <laughs> she runs out of the office, and, uh, and so the guys, the husband is there, and I'm just like, wow, this really went bad really fast. And, uh, <clears throat> and so I told, I told the husband, I said, listen, listen, you guys, you guys gotta figure this out, okay? She's leaving here, and her life depends on you guys figuring this out. And I know family is crazy and people can be ridiculous, but you gotta, you gotta pull it together. You have children and this lady's life depends on it, right? I'm just, I'm just trying to calm them down. Really, I was just, I would have said anything. Like, I was, listen, there's a gold car outside. He'll just, he'll just calm down. There's a car waiting for you. And so I'm just trying to get him to relax. And uh, so finally he relaxed, he steps outside my office. Now they both go out. And so I'm in my office, I'm just like, why did I ask if anybody had questions? I should have just left it alone. And, uh, and so I see them in the lobby and then they move outside. And my boss comes to get me and he's like, Mike, I need you to go out and talk to them. They're, they're outside being loud and ridiculous. And I was just like, great. <laughs> and so I go outside and uh, <clears throat> when I walk outside, they're crying and they're being loud, but they're all like hugging. The mom is hugging the husband and, the kids are all hugging and they're laughing and they're, and I thought I was on a game show. I was like, this is not real. I'm like, where are the cameras? You got me, good one. And, uh, and so I go out there and I'm like, hey, listen guys, um, you know, we just can't do this in front of the building. Let's, let's go ahead and, you know, move, move this along here. You know, and the husband turns to me and, and he said, can I shake your hand? And I was like, sure, whatever you want to do just so that you will move it along. And so I shook his hand. He's like, you know what? I just want to thank you. Our family really needed this. And I was just like, needed what? I don't understand. <laughs> I was so, so puzzled. And he left and they got in the car together and, and, and everything was fine. And the lady, she, come, she came back a few weeks later to the outpatient portion and uh, did really well for herself. And I just remember thinking to myself like, wow, Lord, you really did, you really just took it over, didn't you? Because I tell you what, Michael didn't do that. I was freaking out the whole time, if I'll be honest with you. I was freaking out the whole time. I'm just like, what is gonna happen with these people? They're gonna start fighting, someone's gonna pull out a knife. I mean, I'm sure it's gonna, it's gonna get really bad. And, um, and God really just turned that situation around. And I, and I really just feel like it's, it's really important for us to, to understand that God has made this power available to us and, and that if, if we will just make ourselves available, if, we're, if we'll just be willing to let him express his power through us, uh, then we'll see amazing things happen. And, and we'll see people reconcile, families reconcile. The power, uh, it has very little to do with us and our needs. It has everything to do with our mission as Christians. Paul, in the Bible, talks about his reliance on the Holy Spirit, on the power of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. That's him talking about how he felt talking to these people. He wasn't very confident. He said, I was with you in weakness, fear, and much trembling. My speech 
and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should be not in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I think that if we as Christians, if we can get past uh, the consumeristic mindset, you know, like, I think it's easy nowadays to be the kind of Christian that's like, feed me, feed me, feed me, give me, give me, give me. What can I take? What can I want? What can I do? Not what can I do. That doesn't make sense, sorry. Um, But I think if we can get over that part and realize that there is a real need that there are people in our lives. I'm not talking about strangers, though that's that too. But I'm talking about in our lives. Family members, coworkers, friends, there are people who need desperately to understand, to experience the power that God has made available. They are in need and, and we're the ambassadors. We if we will turn our focus, then we can we can be those ambassadors and and, and be the, the tool that God uses to display his power. In uh, in Second Timothy, Paul is writing to Timothy. He says, Therefore I remind you, stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. I think Paul knew that Timothy, Timothy was young, and Paul knew that he would eventually start to rely on his own ability, his own power, his own thoughts. And Paul wanted to let him know, listen, you don't have to do that because there is power available to you that Jesus died to make sure that we could have. And it was something that we could possess personally. All right, I'm gonna uh, jump ahead a little bit. Let's go to Acts chapter 12. Um, I'm gonna read this story. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, Acts chapter 12 and verse one, it says, now about that time, Herod the king stretched out his hand to harass some, of the, some from the church. And he killed James, the brother of John with the sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to seize Peter also. Now it was during the day of unleavened bread so when he had arrested him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four squads of soldiers to keep him, intending to bring him before the people after Passover. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. I'm gonna read that again. Peter was therefore kept in prison, but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was about to bring him out, that night Peter was sleeping, bound with two chains between two soldiers, and the guards before the door were keeping the prison. Now behold, an angel of the Lord stood by him, and a light shone in the prison, and he struck Peter on the side and raised him up, saying, Arise quickly, and his chains fell off his hands. So the angel shows up, frees Peter from from prison. I'm going to jump down to verse 11. It says, And when Peter had come to himself, he said, Now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me uh, from the hand of Herod and from all the expectations of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. And as Peter knocked at the door of the gate, a girl named Rhoda came to answer. When she recognized Peter's voice because of her gladness, she did not open the gate, but ran in and announced that Peter stood before the gate. 
But they said to her, you're beside yourself. Um, another translation, it, it says, uh, you're crazy. Yeah. They just told you crazy, girl. Uh, yet she kept insisting that it was so. So they, so they said, it must be his angel. And Peter continued knocking. When they opened the door and saw him, they were astonished. I, I love this story because it is a great example of the power of prayer in agreement. The power in agreement. Prayer that we agree together is powerful. <laughs> and what I love even more is that uh, the people in this room, they, they really didn't have a lot of faith for this. They were praying for Peter, right? But he shows up and they, it was easier for them to believe it was an angel than Peter had actually been freed. They were like, listen, Rhoda, okay? <laughs> Do you know where Peter is? Do you know how many soldiers are watching Peter right now? He's definitely not at the door, relax. <laughs> and uh, I love that even though they didn't have a lot of faith as individuals, the faith they had together as they prayed for Peter was enough for God to send this angel and, and, and uh, help Peter escape prison. And, and so I think it's, it's important to note, you know, that the power that the Holy Spirit's made available is not just for us as individuals, but it also applies probably even more so to us as a unified body. And that when we pray and when we agree together, there's so much uh, power behind those prayers and, and there's so much that can happen. Um, in Matthew chapter 18, verse 19, this is also from the Passion Translation, it says, again, I give you an eternal truth. If two of you agree to ask God for something in a symphony of prayer, my Heavenly Father will do it for you. For wherever two or three come together in honor of my name, I am right there with them. Now, I wanna, I wanna point out that this passage in context is talking about dealing with matters of discipline, okay? They're not talking about the power of prayer here. But I do think it's important to note that Jesus highlights the urgency placed in prayer that's made together. And so even though they were, they were talking about handling matters of discipline within believers, I think it's important that we understand Jesus uh, makes mention of this because it's important, because it's significant. Um, a lot of you guys were here last year, you know, uh, Kristen was having Lucy and, you know, everything was fine and then it wasn't, you know, and her uterus ruptured in two different spots and she lost seven liters of blood and it was this crazy, ridiculous thing. I still have a, I look at the picture every once in a while. I was outside of the operating room before when they took her in and they uh, told me, you know, you're gonna, we'll bring you in here in a second. And so, I, you know, I did the whole suit up with the thing because all of our girls were just delivered. I never got to suit up in the, the cool, you know, gown or whatever. So I got all the thing. I got the mask. I'm like taking selfies. I'm like, hey. <laughs> and I look back at those pictures. I'm like, man, I had no idea what was about to happen. And, uh, you know, so all that went down and uh, there was fluid buildup in her lungs after the surgery. She was in surgery for God knows how many hours. It felt like forever. And... Uh, she was put on a ventilator. The doctors came out of surgery and they told me like, listen, she's probably gonna be like that for a couple days. Uh, there was fluid buildup in her lungs. She lost a lot of blood. And uh, there was just a lot of trauma on her body physically. So we sedated her heavily to give her body an opportunity to just recuperate and get better. 
And so I remember um, going to see her and seeing the tubes down her throat and just seeing all that and just thinking to myself like, okay, Lord, um, I guess you got this, you know? Um, I, I never, I don't remember being angry at God or like fear, well, maybe fear, but not doubt. It was never doubt. It was just like, I don't know if anybody can relate to this, the feeling of being out of control. It was just like that feeling. One minute I'm taking selfies, the next minute I hear them code, whatever it is, they're rushing, they got things of blood, they're rushing in. I'm just like, oh man, that's weird. And, uh, and so I remember um, just coming to this place where I was just like, okay, Lord, I, you, know, um, you know, you got this. I don't know what else to do. There's nothing I can do about it. There's nothing, I've done all I can do in my, in, with what I'm able to do as a human being. And uh, so I remember going back to the room where we had the baby and the nurses took the baby. They were gonna run the hearing test or something. And so I sat down and I, it was just as I was getting ready just to process everything. You know, I'd seen her in ICU, the baby was taken care of. And I just wanted to sit down and just like gather myself. And I got a phone call. Her dad was here at the time. He had shown up and he was, stayed in ICU with her. And her dad calls me and he's like, hey, she's awake. And I'm like, what do you mean she's awake? And he's like, yeah, she, her eyes are open. She's asking questions. She wants to know where the baby is. And I just remember thinking like, this is like a mistake. It's not for real. Because she's gonna be out for two days. She's not awake. And so, uh, you know, he told me to go and I went and she was awake and she was, her eyes were open and she was asking questions, writing them down on a piece of paper. And the nurses and the doctors, everyone was just amazed. I mean, you know it's a miracle when like medical people start saying things, like faith things. They're just like, I don't know if you guys are believers, but this is a miracle. <laughs> you know? And, uh, <clears throat> and I just remember thinking uh, at, some, at some point after that, we had, I mean, we had loads of people praying. I know a lot of people in here were praying. We had family praying, friends, friends of friends. We had people praying. They didn't even know who or what they were praying about. They just knew there was a need and they were praying. And uh, I remember that day thinking and realizing uh, the power of agreement. Because she wasn't supposed to be awake. And the nurses, they couldn't stop talking about how, her, how fast her body was recuperating and how uh, much of a miracle it was that she was responding the way that she was responding. And it was immediately, immediately to me, I knew it was the power of everyone here agreeing that she would be healed. And so I know what this, I know what this feels like personally. I know that it works and that it's legit and it's real, you know? And I just really feel like if, if the power that God has made available to us as individuals, the power that he's made available to us as a body, if we come into the realization, the full realization of that, there's a lot of crazy things that will probably start happening. Amen? <clears throat> I'll close with this. I don't know if Daniel's in here. There he is. <clears throat> um, you know, and I, I've got uh, a couple different stories, you know, that I can share with you. But the, the common thread is, is, uh, is the same. The, the power that was made available to us at Pentecost was very specific. It was for the things that we as human beings are not capable of accomplishing, which was our mission 
heal the sick, raise the dead, preach the gospel. I mean, this, this was what Jesus told them to wait for because it was, he knew that the church was getting ready to be birthed at Pentecost and how important it was to the world because God so loved the world. Amen? And so I think this morning, I feel like uh, maybe there's some of you guys here who, uh, you know, maybe you've been caught up trying to acquire some of the, these other things that God has not put a limit on, he's made available freely. Maybe you've gotten caught up in, in doing that and, and, and you, you haven't been able to, to step into this place where you, where you are functioning and you are seeing the full power of God displayed in your life on a regular basis. I, I want you to know that God is not like, he's not stingy with this kind of thing, you know? Like, uh, we, the girls, we, they ask for juice and like, we water down their juice because too much apple, you know, whatever. Parents get it. So we have to like water, but now they're like starting to figure it out. They're just like, can I just have juice? <laughs> and, uh, but God's not like that, you know? God will pour it on. If you ask him for it, God will pour his power and his spirit over you and he won't water it down like I do. So I feel like, you know, this morning there are people here who, you have family. Listen, I want you to think about this. This morning, it's, it's, it's not about you. It sounds like it is, but it's not. This morning, there are people here, you have family, you have friends, you have coworkers, who you can think in your mind right now, their life is in catastrophe for one reason or another, and they need the power of the Holy Spirit to change their lives. And not just like the feel-good moment. They need an absolute turnaround. And God wants to use you to be that turnaround. He wants to use you to be that power that's introduced into their lives. And then I feel like there's people here that you're hearing this and you're like, Mike, listen, I'm living it, buddy. I'm seeing, the, I'm seeing people healed. I'm seeing people accept Christ in their hearts from hearing the gospel. And to those people, I would just say, let's not ever not be hungry for more. Amen. This applies to all of us, no matter where we're at, because God has this unlimited portion of power that he's made available for us. Amen. So uh, let's stand together. <clears throat> Sorry, guys, it took a little bit longer than I would have liked. <clears throat> So I just want us to, you know, receiving uh, power from the Holy Spirit is not about striving. It's not about working hard. It's not about trying to figure out or like read a certain amount of the Bible or anything like that. It's about being willing, being willing and saying yes to the Lord. Because it's not going to be, it may not be right now. It may not be when you leave here or even this week. But if you're willing and you've said yes to the Lord, at the right time, in the right place, he's gonna use you and his power is gonna flow through you and it's gonna change the lives of the people around you. And it's, and it's gonna be a miracle because that's, that's what he does. And so uh, I'm gonna pray. If you'll just uh, agree with me this morning, <clears throat> if you'll close your eyes, I just wanna focus in on this, on this moment 
God, we just, we just need more of you, Lord. We need more of your power and your love and your strength. God, there are people in our lives that you have placed there on purpose. People in our lives that you have set us up to meet with. And God, we say yes. God, use us. We want to be the vessel. We want to represent you and be your ambassador. And be the vehicle that you use, Lord, to change lives. And so God, as we stand here in this moment, we just say yes. We say yes, Lord. Use us, we are willing. God, it may seem, we may even not have enough faith. But Lord, you just need a little bit. So this morning, we just, we surrender ourselves to you this morning. And we say, Lord, have your way. Have your way in and through us. I pray, Lord, right now that, that even now, Lord, you are setting up these divine appointments, these, these meetings with people who need to hear the power that you have available to them, who need to know that you're not holding back, but that you're ready and willing to pour it out freely if they'll just say yes. God, I pray for a deeper revelation of your power. Help us to see clearly the things that you're doing, the things that you're gonna do. Lord, help us to know in our hearts where you're leading us. The same way you made, your, made it clear to the disciples, God, I pray that you'd make it clear to us. God, I thank you for this room and the people in this room who are willing, the people in this room who have said yes, I pray, God, that you would give them a, 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 a fresh outpouring, Lord, of your spirit, of your power. Make it known to them. And God, we pray all this, that you would receive the glory, Lord. This has nothing to do with us and everything to do with you, God. We pray that you would receive the glory. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Amen, Amen guys. Thank you for listening to King of Glory Sermon of the Week. Connect with us on Instagram at KOG underscore Asheville and on Facebook at facebook.com slash KOG Asheville.